Instead of gobbling down that washed-out, archaic marketing advice and focusing on driving traffic, my guest this week suggests that we should optimize for conversions first and then work backwards with our marketing strategy. Quit hunting for leads and farm for profits instead with conversion optimization. And listen out for a special guest appearance from Hannibal. Mickey Anderson helped service professionals stand out as thought leaders and maximize revenue without increasing workload. She's the marketing closer, a conversion specialist, campaign strategist, and conversion copywriter. She helps you convert and retain more high-value clients who stay longer, spend more, and consistently refer you. All that after the break. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Mickey, thank you for joining us today. Let's let's kick off. I, I know that you've done a lot of work both in in larger marketing campaigns, and then also running your own agency for for a number of years. What are the things that you see from larger marketing campaigns that you're now? pointing your clients to and strategizing people to, to kind of understand what are you taking away from that and helping them with? You know, the, the key thing that I notice when it comes to larger brands that smaller band, brands just struggle with, especially those solopreneurs, those individuals trying to build a business is they try to be everything to everyone. Whereas the larger brands, they know their position. They know they have that identified value proposition. They know exactly the problem they solve and who they solve it for. And they leverage that right to be more impactful. And more direct. Whereas I find the smaller businesses just really struggle with identifying a niche or picking picking their ideal customer even is really challenging and they spread themselves too thin and it's just a diluted message. And so that's really the biggest piece of advice that I give smaller businesses is it's okay to not serve everyone. It's not exclusive. It's actually going to serve people better, including you. And, and what do you advise them around their their brand, their personal brand, because that's, I know that's an area that you're particularly interested in and, and have a lot of thoughts on. So, yeah, you know, whether you like it or not, you have a personal brand. And I think a lot of business owners in particular assume that their professional brand is going to take care of everything. That's not the case. We're humans and we build relationships and we buy from people. And, and that's really what your personal brand is. It's how people talk about you when you're not in the room. And so your personal brand is that feeling that connection that you make with individual peoples and how you can replicate that. So you want to identify the key parts of you that align with your ideal customer, the characteristics, the trait, the voice, the energy. And then you want to amplify that as much as possible so that every single time you have a connection with someone, they get that feeling exactly as you intended. So how do you, let, let's say we've got a, a, a real estate investor listening in right now what are the first things that you suggest that they look at when they're trying to identify what does that personal brand even look like? Yes, I, I'm totally on board with you. Everybody has a personal brand, whether you want it or not, you've already got it. So you may as well make the most of it. How, how do they start to identify it? 
You know what? A great exercise I love to do, and lots of businesses do this when it comes to their clients, is creating an ideal customer profile or a customer avatar, right? It's, it's basically just a worksheet where they write out all of the things they know about their ideal customer, the problems they have, how they solve them, the feelings, the experiences, the day-to-day, all of that stuff. But a lot of times we forget who we are. And so I typically start saying, you need to build yourself your own avatar, your own worksheet of who you are, what you stand for, what you represent, the feelings and characteristics, right? How you help. And when you can do that and identify where there's alignment between you and your customer, it becomes much clearer the parts that you want to stand out. And, and that gives you the benefit of of also repelling people, correct? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we don't want to serve everyone, like I mentioned. I think it's important to know that not everyone is going to love you. Not everyone's going to be a raving fan. That's just the way it is. And it's okay to say no or to recognize that you're not a good fit for someone and move on. It's actually a really respectable thing to do. And uh, one of the one of the advantages of being clear, I realize you've said, you know, so you're attracting the right people and the right target audience. What are the things that that a, a personal brand can do in terms of communicating that and getting that, you know, moving more towards the messaging and the marketing of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think every brand, every person has a style and a voice. So as a, as a copywriter by trade, one of the things that I work on doing is identifying that unique voice of the person. How do they sound? What are their... What are the energies that come through the words they use, the sayings they have? And then how do you make sure that that's consistent across all communication, right? And that can be grammatical. It can be any kind of way that you want to look at it. But the more you can replicate it and be consistent is actually more important. Consistency is what builds trust because people know what to expect from you. Every single communication needs to be very consistent in terms of the words you're saying, the energy you're giving, the message that you have. And that's in all mediums, correct? It's not yes. just necessarily, I mean, when you're talking copywriting, I think people are immediately thinking articles, but that's not, no, that's not the only thing. Right. The way that you sign off on emails, the way that you leave a voice message for a client, the way that you put an advertisement out for your business or you reach out to someone via LinkedIn, all of it has to be consistent. Right. So thinking about a real estate investor, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the real estate investor, this isn't their expertise, isn't mm-hmm. their specialty. What are the things that they can do? And then what are the things that you would start to say, well, this is where you need to bring in a team member or you need to bring in some expertise to help. you. It, so in terms of personal branding versus marketing in general, I think personal branding, sometimes having a creative or a graphic designer or a brand strategist come in and help you identify the way that you want to present yourself in the world can be really helpful. I don't think it's necessary always, but we get to a point where if you are starting to feel that your message isn't as clear or you're just not able to really come up with a great crystal clear picture, someone like that can absolutely help. And then in terms of your marketing, producing the content, getting your words out there, sometimes finding somebody who can take that avatar of who you are or your brand guide, however you're going to let them know the way that you want to communicate and replicate that for you. Anyone who's creating communications or producing stuff on your behalf, you need to set them up for success. So making sure that you're writing out a brand style guide or SOPs or anything that's going to help them be more consistent with your message. And in terms of getting that that kind of message out there, what happens if you don't have a big budget? What happens mm. if if, you know, 
a marketing budget. You don't even, I, I could almost guarantee you there's a lot of real estate investors out there that don't even have a marketing budget. So yeah. perhaps just start there and, and what sort of things should they be or could they be doing that doesn't involve a ton of budget? You know, I, I work with so many business owners and the micro business owners who don't have a marketing team. They're either solopreneurs or very small teams, and they're trying to do the most possible with the least amount of resources, including a budget. And I have a contrarian approach to marketing. I think most people assume they have a lead problem. I'm not getting enough eyes. I'm not making enough connections. Not enough people know me. Right. But in, in truth, most of us don't have a lead problem. We have a conversion problem. We know a lot of great people. We're just not leveraging those relationships. We're not keeping the people we have longer, getting more money from them, making more deals with them, maximizing those relationships over the long term. And I think if we start there, right, how are you having those conversations with people? What's working well? What's not? How can you systematize that and replicate it? And it all starts with that. We call it the point of sale. But in, in real estate investment, it's really like the deal making. What deals go well? What deals don't? And can you identify the moments, the things that worked and didn't work and create a system to replicate that? Hmm. And then you'll take another step back. So, okay, how did I get this person into the conversation? What have I said that worked? What have I said that didn't work? And how can I create a system around that? How can I maximize my potential there? And you just keep taking one step back further and further. And I find that's the most cost-effective and also the, the best way to start that marketing strategy or that business development strategy. It's, it's refreshing to hear from a marketing <laughs> person because you're right. It's, it is contrary because <laughs> most people are selling you on the idea of lead generation. Paid traffic, lead generation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so doing it from the other way and reverse engineering where you've already started from. It's, I had a, a guest on the podcast, Trevor Mock, who does, um, websites and, and SEO optimizes the websites for real estate investors. And he talks it, he mentions it as the, the marketing hamster wheel. Cause once you're on it, you've almost got to keep running at a certain pace to keep it feeding those leads. And that doesn't, you know, that becomes a self-fulfilling issue, I guess, or problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think we focus on the tens of thousands of leads we want, right? Acquisition, getting more eyes. But in truth, how many deals would it take to transform your business? How many true people do you really need in order to get the best deals and grow your business? It's a lot smaller than we think sometimes, right? It's just that one perfect conversation. And I think we get so wrapped up in the big picture that we forget, man, I kind of get on some calls. So do you, do you think part of that, the fault of that is we all see the big online gurus that are selling thousands of products for, you know, $997 or $1,900 or whatever it is. And then we all think we all have to do that. We all have to emulate that mm -hmm. when, when yeah. in fact, yes, you're right. If a real estate investor that lands five more deals, if they just land five new deals a year, they're probably going to be set. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we, we make scaling out to be this sexy thing, right? right? Where it's bigger is better. But in truth, is it? Right? Like for most of us, I want to say no. For most of us, we just want to have those few key people, few key clients or relationships or deals that are going to take us from where we are to where we want to be. But we get wrapped up in the need to be bigger and better and scale along with the big guns. And that's not just not necessarily the case for most people. So is that when I noticed on your website, did, uh, you're almost anti-hustle. Yes. That, would, would, that be a, would that be a fair phrase? Absolutely. I think 
the one of the biggest challenges small business owners face today is they're overworked, overstressed, overtaxed, under-resourced, and they're just depleted. I apologize. <laughs> That's right. That's Hannibal. <laughs> hello, Hannibal. He likes to say hello to the FedEx people who come by. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> but I think, in truth, most of us get really caught up in that big picture. We think it's all about bigger is better, but it's not the case. We really just need to focus on, okay, who's my next deal? How can I maximize that one step instead of looking at the entire staircase and thinking we have to scale it in one jump? I do. And, and I think what you're saying is bigger can be better, but it can be done in a different way versus. Yeah. Yeah. More isn't always better. And I think right. sometimes when it comes to marketing, especially the hustle and being, you know, overtaxed and overworked, we all know the, the concept of the Pareto principle, right? Where right. 20% of your effort delivers 80% of your results. But we we try and focus on the 80 because we think more is better. But if we just took the time to scale back and do less, but do it infinitely better, we will ultimately be more successful and more healthy. Right. And what about the, what, what advice do you give around the different mediums that we use to communicate? What, what do you suggest to people from a social media aspect, maybe from different mediums, should they do video? I mean, we're all, we're all being told we have to do video. It has to be video or nothing or- So many rules. <laughs> right. And do you, yeah, do you have any uh, advice around either any of those areas? Yeah, I think I, I come from the standpoint of really you need one good channel of communication if it's the right channel to transform your business. So it's identifying where are my ideal customers or my prospects or the people I want to make deals with and how do I get in touch with them? And again, I, I would start with reverse engineering the process. How did they, how did I have the conversation with them? How did, how did they find out about me or engage with me or agree to the conversation? And then how do I make that happen more frequently? Because that's clearly where the people are that I want right. to talk to. And so I say, optimize one channel at a time. So if it's going to be LinkedIn, if that's how you're going to communicate with people, do it and do it well and make that your thing. And then once you've got it down to a system and a science, then move on to another appropriate channel. But I think we get so caught up in doing so many things and we do a mediocre job at all of them that none of them truly serve us. And, and what do you recommend to somebody where they've built their business almost exclusively on referral and they, they haven't used the, I mean, they, they do stuff on Facebook and everything and Instagram and, and now TikTok and whatever else is going to appear, <laughs> but it, 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 it's probably a 90% waste of their time yeah. and, and resources. Yeah, you know, I think the, the, I'm a very like traditional old school kind of marketer where I think your Rolodex is your most important asset, whether it's your email list or your contact list and finding a way to stay in touch with people on a regular and consistent basis is transformational for most right. businesses. I mean, if you have a list of people who are referring to you or, or speaking highly about you, you need to be communicating with them regularly, thanking them right? Just staying in touch and top of mind so that they constantly are thinking great things about you, right? That's your personal brand right there. Right. So how can you, whether it's on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis, just reach out individually, ideally, because we want it to be personal and have a, a quick chat. Say, hi, thanks. I so appreciate you being a supporter of, of what I do. And, you know, I just want to say that I'm thinking of you. It goes a really long way. And so... Are you saying that email marketing has a place, but you, you can probably have way more impact if you 
as you say, send a personal email or you pick up the phone. Gosh, yeah. the phone, that still exists. But um... I think it's funny. I, I love email marketing. It's one of the mediums that I have the most experience with. I've done tons of email promotional campaigns and I see the power in it. But I, I think in terms of a small business or even a micro business, right, the, the, the small solopreneurs, as much as an email is just great, it has a place. It's a place to engage and provide value. But when you want to make personal connections, that needs to be done personally. And everybody knows when they're on an email list that it's to the whole list. <laughs> right. right. So being able to take that moment, whether it's 30 seconds to two minutes to send a personal message, it will absolutely amplify the power of your personal brand and your reputation and increase referrals. So just wrapping up, what are the three or four things that you would suggest a micro business or a small business owner first looks at. It sounds like the reverse engineering thing makes a ton of sense initially. That would seem to be the logical place to start, is it? Yeah, I think knowing your customer, knowing the problem you solve, where you stand, you need to stand out, especially if you're a real estate investor. There are lots of real estate investors out there looking for deals. And so what sets you apart? What role do you play? Who do you serve? What kind of deals do you make? And how can you position yourself strongly to be the person for XYZ? Right. And then from there, reverse engineering those deals, those conversations from the point where the deal is made and back. And then the final one is just staying in regular personal communication with that list of key people because we call them seed clients or seed individuals, right? You plant them and they grow your business for you. Right. So you need to nurture and water them and take good care of them. Right. Makes total sense. That's, that's three great suggestions there. A couple of questions I like to ask guests on the show. Who's your own favorite personal brand? Who is it and, and why? You know, I'm going to be young here and say Taylor <laughs> Swift is one of my favorites. I, yeah. I think she really knows her audience. She knows who she is and where she stands in the market. And she does a great job of consistently having the same message and the same connection with those people. Love that. And I think Mel Robbins is another person that I, I, I love. She's a, a great speaker and she's nailed down her voice. She's consistent in the way she talks about the problems she solves and the, the way that she solves those problems and how she shows up in conversations. It's raw. It's real. It's her, regardless of the medium or channel. Yeah, it's interesting. She just launched a podcast, didn't she? Yes. And we're talking as we're recording, this is October. And it was interesting to watch her, her whole marketing strategy behind that. And a lot of it was, you're right, that personal voice, that vulnerability. And she hasn't got, I mean, on Facebook, I was watching on Facebook and, and I think she's got about 20,000 followers, which is not huge on Facebook, <laughs> not for somebody like that anyway, but that coupled with wherever else she's built her brand. She was, she was a top five podcast when she launched, like, like yeah. globally top five. And you think, whoa, you know, that's, yeah. that's a the power she's of someone, a personal brand. Man. And she's someone who learns on the go about her audience, right? Her audio versions of her books do so well because of her voice and the way she delivers. And she knows that. And so now she's leveraging that power in her podcast to communicate more in that same way that her audience loves to receive her marketing, uh, her messaging. Int interesting observation. That's a, that's a really good point. What about a favorite business book or podcast? Yeah, my favorite 
podcast right now is actually the Business Made Simple podcast. They have done a little bit of a transformation in it. It used to be interviewing thought leaders and authors in the business space, but now they do live coaching with small businesses. And I find it really fun and entertaining to hear on the fly the different ideas and perspectives and thoughts around how people can grow and change their business and, and ultimately, you know, leave, ha- lead happier lives and more balanced lives. And it's just a really entertaining show. In terms of books, there's one that I think is really powerful right now. I actually have it out because I was just recommending it to a friend. It's called Content-Based Working oh. by James Carberry. And it's all about how to use your content as a way to make strong connections and build your business. So whether it's interviewing people for your podcast, whether it's writing for a blog or doing video interviews, how to identify who your ideal customers are, make them feel like superstars and build strong relationships with them. Highly, highly recommend. Mm, I'm putting that one on my my Christmas list. (laughs) And what about it? You've found a new tool or resource that you're enjoying using at the moment. Yeah, so I just converted all of my business operations and and my CRM to ClickUp, which is an online application. And it is, I've used Asana, I've used Monday, I've used all of them, Trello. And, with, you know, there a lot of them are very similar. But with ClickUp, I found they just keep innovating and coming up with better ways for me to organize my life and my business. They have workflows, mind maps, scheduling tools, and I organize all of my SOPs there for anyone who has a small team or needs to, you know, keep track of clients, of deals, of communications. I find ClickUp is really the easiest to use individually or with a team. So that's that's like a project management and CRM and, wow, okay. You got it. It's an all-in-one platform. It integrates with so many things. It just is it's incredibly powerful. I highly recommend checking it out. There's a free version too, which I recommend starting with. You never know what you need or don't need. So the, the free version gives you a really good indicator of whether it's going to be a fit for your business. That's, yeah, I, I, I see... And I'm equally guilty. You know, you see the next shiny object. So I've been, I've been a, a big fan of Basecamp for mm-hmm. years, but I find it yep. has its limitations because it yeah. is purely product. Then you've got to find something else that attaches to that and then yeah. something else. And that's- yep. I've used Basecamp so many times in the exact same thing, right? It's great for managing that individual product or project. However, when it comes to managing all of your projects, systems, clients, SOPs, I find like ClickUp has just completely changed the game. And now I do all project management and all business operations through it. Hmm. Good recommend. I'm going to be mm-hmm. checking that out as well. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much today. This is... <laughs> and uh, do you have a favorite quote? Oh, I do. I actually, I have one on the wall right now. And it's, it's very, I want to say appropriate for me in this time in my life. And it's eat the frog first. It's an old school <laughs> quote that I love. And it's all about doing the hard things first. Eat the frog first, right? So instead of filling your day with all the easy stuff and then, you know, just leaving things to the last minute, which is my personal guilty problem here, I find if I start my day with one hard thing or one thing that I don't necessarily want to do, the rest of the day gets to be really fun. Yeah, you're not alone. Don't worry. There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of us doing that one. That's, that's Brian Tracy, yes? It, yes, yes, right. yes. Love Brian Tracy. Yeah. And how can people get hold of you? How can they find out more about what you do and what you offer? Yeah, they can visit heymickeyanderson.com, just like the song. I'm on all the social platforms as well, at heymickeyanderson. But if you want to get in touch, you're interested in learning more, chatting about your personal brand, or you know, coming up with that reverse engineering process, you can book a free phone call on my website, 
there's a 15 or 30 minute discovery call that you can book and we can chat and I'm just happy to give free value. There's no pitch included. It's just, it's just us chatting about what problems you have and how, how you can fix them. And I loved people are hopefully getting across if they're, if they're listening to this is that Mickey has a ton of energy, which is fantastic. <laughs> But yeah, go have a look at her website because she has so many fun photos on there. There's even her I am talk quirky. <laughs> talking into a banana, which I might, I might even use as part of the podcast artwork. So you definitely got to check that out. It's, That's it's unique. personal brand at work there. That's that exactly works. what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, Mickey, it's been fun talking to you. Thank you for the, for the insights and have yourself a brandtastic day. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.